recording. I got it. I got this. <laughs> All right, we ready? I believe in you. Uh, episode one of Ticket Snubs. Hello, everybody. I'm joined here today Hello. by John, Cam, Rayma, and hey. Andres. All right, today our first debate is Midsommar, presented by me, and Evil Dead 2, presented by John. Now, how these debates are going to work, we're going to be talking about these movies in five different sections. First section, plot and characters. Second, acting. Third, technical. Four, a custom section, depending on what movies we're discussing today. It's going to be horror. And fifth is the lasting impact that these movies have. Now, of course, these are all just our opinions, but we are arguing about our favorite movies, so it is going to get a little emotional. <laughs> Since John and I will be debating, our judges slash moderators for today will be Cam, Rayma, and Andres. I can judge things. So can I. Me too. <laughs> Alright, so um, with that, I think we're ready to just jump right into it. Round one, okay. Um, so, um, plot and character. Characters. We're gonna start off with a random generator. So John. odd number PJ. Oh, okay, he's doing that. John. John. Okay, I guess it's it's John. John, go. All right. Okay. So I'm starting off. Um. Okay. Let's see. So we got. Well, if we're talking about plot first, you have to look. I mean, it is it is a sequel itself, Evil Dead Two. So you need to judge how well it corresponds with its original and how much it builds upon the story. And such elements like that. Um, and I think it does it absolutely perfectly. And it is the first glimpse that defines Ash Williams as the character that we know him as nowadays. The horror icon that he's become. Evil Dead 2 gives Ash an excuse to become the narcissistic kind of jerk he is in the third movie and the television series. Because whereas the first one's more just a straight horror film about people in a cabin in the woods being murdered by deadites, and it's great. Evil Dead 2 is more about the psychological effect that it has on Ash Williams and the fact that now another group of people are coming into this cabin, and he can do nothing but watch them die, and he's the like, lone survivor, really messes with his head. So it gives him the excuse to become that he eventually becomes. Who else we got? We got the architect's daughter um, and her husband. Um, what I like most about the Arctic's daughter is you think throughout the movie she's going to become the love interest of the film, especially towards the end when it's just her and Ash left, and she defeats the deadites with him and everything, and they're even holding each other about to kiss, it's all romantic and everything, and then she just gets stabbed by the Kandarian dagger and dies. And that's something that even the remake does excellent, there is no main character in the remake, it's just, oh, everyone's gonna die. Like, I like that. Um, you can't replace Ash Williams, he is an icon, his character has become a staple of the horror industry. Can um, I say something? Yeah. That's very true, and I never thought of that until you said it just now, so thank you for that. No that problem. Gave, that gave me some insight. Yay. Continue. Um, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you can't replace Ash Williams. We got the hillbilly and his daughter or wife. I still can't really tell after watching this movie I for like 80,000 times. like his girlfriend. I thought that was just his girlfriend. Yeah, I thought it was his I girlfriend, too. Not, all right, so let's say it's his girlfriend. She's really hot anyway. He's Mr. Hillbilly Boy. Uh, I know. I actually know a lot of people that think his character arc is very out of left field when he kind of turns on everybody. But if your girlfriend gets taken out to go rape by trees in the woods. Um, well, you're 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 not gonna make sure you do everything in your power to go get her back. Um, so I understand his. I don't. I don't want to say reversal, but like you know his character change. And I like it. I like it a lot. I think his his girlfriend's really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about okay. the characters there. There's really not much to um, say otherwise, you know? I'm gonna let PJ start his, and then I have a couple yeah. questions for plot and characters, so PJ okay. start. Great start, John. I, I honestly, I didn't think about Evil Dead 2 in that light. Was it because I watched it at 1.30 a.m.? Possibly. <laughs> hey, you're admitting your fault. It's okay. I'm admitting, yeah. Um, That movie did make me feel like I was on drugs. I had no clue what was going on. Good. And, and Sam Raimi has said in an interview, and I don't mean to interrupt, sorry, but many times he states that the worst crime you could commit as a filmmaker is making a boring picture. Boring like, so like, he, he will do anything in his power to make a movie entertaining. And whether you like it or not is up to you. But it is perfect for what it is, in my opinion. But go ahead. Sorry to PJ, I, I think, in my opinion, Midsommar, it's just that, whereas, as John just said, Sam Raimi went about this movie making entertaining. Ari Aster made this movie to actually tell a story with an actual plot. We get into the characters, Danny and Christian. Obviously, this movie is more of a breakup movie than a horror movie, where everything around them is just symbolism of their falling apart, their deteriorating relationship, and even Danny's just mental stability. Yeah. If the introduction of, like, drugs under the influence could be seen as an allegory for dependence. Who is there? I, 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 I don't like calling him Christian. I always call him Walmart Chris Pratt. Because he looks like oh, a Walmart Chris Jack Pratt. Rainer? That's true. Oh yeah, Jack Rayner. Yeah. The Irishman. He was in the Irishman. No, he's Irish. No. Oh. Yeah. And he, <laughs> they call him Lucky Charms in Transformers Four. <laughs> oh, I wish I didn't know that he was in Transformers Four. He was. Um. I don't know. I just. I. I really do feel like, in terms of like, like a plot. Evil Dead 2, I appreciate that it's closed. It's closed off. It's in the cabin. You kind of know what's going on. Basic setup, you know? I haven't seen the first Evil Dead or the third one, so I can't really say much about it. I was only given that, like, 10-minute exposition that well, kind of covered it, okay, I guess. Go ahead. But, um... Am I... All right, go ahead. I'll explain that after. Yeah, but, um, I mean, Midsommar, in in the case of just comparing Midsommar to Evil Dead 2, it's definitely way more of an open-and-shut story, if... You know, because I, I mean, I know Evil Dead 2 is supposed to be a sequel, but Midsommar is a story. Like, it's... <laughs> well, you're again te dealing with two very different pieces of filmmaking there. When you're doing a sequel that's also intended to have yet another one, you can't really close out the story. Oh, yeah. I just... I mean, it's just... With Evil Dead 2, even... I really... Like, one of the reasons... I, I gave Evil Dead a 6 out of 10 because I enjoyed some aspects of it. But the I, I did not understand what was going on. I... I just knew they had to say Latin to get the demons away. And then he was he was in the Middle Ages. I, I was like, okay. And then, and then it ended. I was like, okay. Uh, but sure. Well, they, I guess... state, they state in the movie in the missing pages of the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, which is the most satisfying thing ever to say, that the, there is a man who went to medieval times um, and defeated the demons and is the savior of our universe, apparently. And they have the picture in, in the book, and that's why the movie ends like that. The demons transport him back to hopefully try to defeat him this time, because yeah. he's the only one that can stop him. Yeah. Stop them. Yeah. Amen. All right. Um, I, I missed that. I, uh... <laughs> oh, wait, can I, can I say one more thing? Um, yeah, go ahead. The... The first ten minutes of Evil Dead Two, don't don't pay attention to it. it pretend it does not exist. You, the, the I was start, the explicitly told to starts... watch the first ten minutes of it. No, 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 no. Okay, because you didn't watch the first one. The first one and the first ten minutes of Evil Dead Two are completely different things. Um, and that's because they did not own the rights to their movie when it came out. So the the second Evil Dead 
due to studio interference, had to be... They had to remake the first Evil Dead in the first ten minutes of Evil Dead 2. So you need to start the movie once Ash gets flown away by the demon into the tree and becomes demon ash that's when the movie starts because the first one ends with all his friends dying ash being the only one left um he thinks he defeated the demons once and for all and then the excellent camera work starts once more and the demon comes flying through the house and into ash's face and it just ends and you don't know what happens there in the sequel you find out what happens the first 10 minutes is just a rehash of the first movie done by a studio that didn't own the rights to the first one so they had to do that so people wouldn't be confused when this movie started with ash flying into a tree <laughs> it's, it's, if you're being honest, yeah. and I'm such a big Evil Dead fan, I did not know that. So interesting. Yeah. But like, I love Evil Dead. It's my favorite film trilogy. I love it. <laughs> I feel like so that's a detriment to the film itself. Where yes, it is. But what studio interference? What are you gonna do about it? I know if studio you, interference. If you don't own the rights to your own creative vision, and something has to be put in there, and you have no control over it. I don't think it's necessarily detrimental to the art you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a question specifically for Midsommar just because, um, wow, John. Um, <laughs> for PJ, uh, since John really found himself speaking more about the characters and the plot, I'm going to go into the characters for Midsommar. In specific, in your own words, how do you think that Christian resists against Danny and vice versa in Midsommar? Oh, well, it's the struggle that every failing relationship sees where one side is losing interest, where the other one is only gaining dependence. It's the whole idea of dependence, which I think makes That's true. Midsommar just like a cinematic masterpiece, is that there's just so many layers of this movie just like level on top of each other for this central message of dependence that Ari Aster, of course, was trying to get across. Say he was talking, he made this movie when he was going through that like breakup or something but christian is just an infuriating character but he's, he's like it's subtly infuriating it's i mean it's not even subtle really but it's more of a i saw him in somewhere the first time with my friend and it ended and he was like they killed my man christian he did nothing wrong oh my god um, alright, so... Also spoilers, by the way, guys. Oh, yeah, we never put a spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoiler alert! Alright, alright, so I think we've <laughs> mastered the whole discussion. Well, obviously we can go on for, like, centuries about the plot and characters for both movies and the mm -hmm. impact it has, but I think we're gonna slowly move into acting. Mm -hmm. So, since we started with John first, I'm gonna let PJ start first. Uh, describe the way that the portrayal for the entire movie was really impacted by the acting of all the actors and actresses. All right, the acting. Well, for a movie like Midsommar, where you have like this cultish environment, you're going to need the right people to play a cult. And yeah. I would say that mm -hmm. the village itself is a character. No, like yeah, the buildings, definitely. the environment, and that's all. It's all a character. The paintings themselves do a lot for the story. Just the creepy kind of stillness of everything. I think of the red-haired girl that takes um the uh, resting bitch face guy off. I can't remember his name. I can't remember anyone's name. Maha, from this movie. are you talking about Maha, the one that is impregnated by Christian? Yes, her. Okay. She's like you she. Me. Everyone is so tranquil. Tranquil is the word mm. I'm looking for. And that tranquility without fakeness just like absolutely contributes to the overarching slow burn eerie sense that this movie creates that's like really one of a kind i have not seen in any other movies besides like uh, aster's other work one of the key scenes i would say would be the fact 
that Danny in the middle of, well, no, towards the end, she has this really, really big panic attack over everything. And you see everyone else in the cult joining her in her cries and her like screams. Oh, yes, that's my favorite I, scene. That's a good scene. What, in what way do you think that acting contributes to the story that the filmmakers are trying to say, like tell? Again, it's the idea that the community is coming together for her. It's the idea that she's her dependence or her complete relationship was just broken with Christian, right? And now this community is showing, look, you can depend on us. There's a new source of dependence for her. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's just giving her a new outlet. And whether it's like healthy or not, she doesn't care. She just wants to express and they all just express. And it's so, ooh, you know, it's just, ooh. Right, yeah. Um, something else that I think is important to like ask is how do you feel that the portrayal of grief amongst the characters benefits the overall theme of the film? Grief, well, um, grief is absolutely a major part of the story. You think like of how it's portrayed by the actors, specifically. How it's portrayed, uh, I mean, specifically Danny, the mm -hmm. whole movie, like from the acid trip. I think of that one scene where, not the acid trip, the mushrooms where she goes and runs off. She's like, I'm fine, stop laughing at me. It's just the idea that like something so earth shattering can literally, like, it shatters your earth. And that she wants to start from ground zero. And the movie literally gives her that opportunity to start at ground zero from this random village in the middle of Sweden or wherever they are. Okay, so I'm gonna cut you there for Midsommar. And I mean, do Camry, Anish, do you have any more questions to ask PJ for Midsommar? Because I don't want to let you guys. Uh, no, no, I don't. Have I, I asked all I, had to, all I okay. wanted to ask. So I'm gonna I'm gonna transition to for acting within Evil Dead Two. So yeah. obviously, Evil Dead Two is one of like it's known to be such an influential impact the horror film industry. You can tell that there's a lot of comedic aspects into Evil Dead Two. In what way do you think that the way that the actors and actresses incorporate the comedic aspect in, within their acting, how do you think that it does have an impact in the whole in the whole or horror or horror um, aspect of it? It's an aspect. Like I think it's it's fantastic. Like Evil Dead, comparing Evil Dead to Midsommar, super quick. Midsommar is a very down to earth, serious, character driven story. Whereas Evil Dead 2, while also being very character-driven, is campy. They're both completely different things. One's going for a very serious tone, the other one is just there to have as much fun as possible. The amount of screenshots I have of Ash Williams' face from Evil Dead 2 is insane, because it's just <laughs> perfectly uh, yeah. campy. It's great. The amount of range and facial expressions Bruce Campbell is capable of is incredible. And it's perfectly shown in Evil Dead 2. Even the other characters, they're there to be exaggerated versions of what the stereotype portrays them as. Like, the hillbilly guy is kind of like the whole, I can't do a hillbilly accent, but he's got the whole hillbilly accent going on. They find him on the side of the road, protecting a fallen bridge, and he's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll carry your bags if you give me some money, blah, 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 stuff like that. The, the campiness perfectly adds to the tone that it's going for and solidifies it as perfect in what it is i think it's great yeah um, and i want to add to that like there's not many characters in evil dead this trilogy yeah there's not mm -hmm. much at all so it does rely on the characters even if they're not in it that much but especially mm -hmm. on ash so oh yeah like, so, the, the scene where he, the whole laughing scene is one of the greatest scenes in movie history, in my opinion. I think it's fantastic. And it perfectly yeah. shows what they were going for and the acting range of Bruce Campbell in those movies. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good scene. 
Yeah, he goes right from starting off super... He falls into the chair, super depressed, after just getting attacked by a whole bunch of blood coming out of a wall. And he looks up and there's a deer laughing at him. <laughs> and he automatically goes into a laughing spree. It's fantastic. So, mm-hmm. obviously, we know that Midsummer is really, really good at, you know, creating fear with whoever really watches it, whether it be just actual just being terrified or just that uncomfortable, uneasy feeling that you get. But mm-hmm. I want to go back into the fact that you said that, you know, they're really portraying these stereotypes in a very comedic way. Do you think that the comedic stereotypes enhanced by the character instills fear or horror onto its audience? Um... Yeah, I I would say so, especially since usually in horror films, you picture the hillbilly character as usually the bad guy. Like, you look at Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, that movie's a perfect representation of stereotypes in horror films. Like, whereas the hillbillies are usually the bad guys, they're good guys in that movie. Look at the hillbilly in this movie, when they pull up to him out by the bridge and he's, like, telling them they can't go this way, your first thought is, oh, he's going to go take these people there, where's he going to take them? They're going on a back road thing, wait, what's he going to do to them? But then you realize he's just a good guy, and he's there to help. So you are uneasy when you first meet him. So that definitely adds to the horror aspect of it. <laughs> uh, my question about like the horror aspect is, since it's a horror comedy, do you think Evil Dead 2 does a good job of mixing them together instead of like keeping it separate? And so like, it's not disjointed. We're like, oh, this seems scary. This seems funny. But it's this one scene is both funny and scary. In specific, in specific to that, obviously, like we're we're kind of going off topic. I think the actor's portrayal should really be talked about. Yeah, also, um, to add on to that question, um, do you think that the the acting in Evil Dead 2 is more impressive because it's only really one central character and it's very make or break? Like, if Bruce Campbell wasn't as good as he was in the whole movie, it would fall apart. Yeah, Bruce Campbell carries the, the film. Not only the film, but the, the trilogy. I mean, he's a central character. You're watching the psychological decline of a man who thought he was just a cool pretty boy that was going to a cabin with a bunch of girls and going to have fun. And now you're watching him be the savior of the universe, and he's not there to save anybody but himself. And that's evident in this, the third movie, especially, and, and the television series. He, he does not care about what happens to anybody else. He is a hero because the story is telling him to be. Otherwise, he would care less. <laughs> Alright, so we're going to go into more of the technical aspect. That TJ, can... What? can you defend your case of horror? Can I de- or not, not horror, but like cinematography. Oh my god, absolutely. No, but like how, how it, like how both the cinematography as well as the, you know, the digital effects surrounding like tripping scenes like benefits the movie. Oh yeah, it's, 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 it's just an alteration of reality in the sense that you become confused it's with reality itself. For like the film. Like I think of, I think of when she feels like she's becoming a part of nature. You're like, whoa. Or when everything's like kind of like wavy and breathing. But I would say, comparing movies, a movie like Midsommar and Evil Dead 2, I know obviously they're from two very different time periods. Evil Dead 2 came out 2000? Heck no. 1987, bro. Oh, damn. Okay, my bad. Um, Well, for the... Sorry. Sorry. Sinful. Sinful. I am absolutely... I don't know. What came out in 2000? I just watched something... Oh, I <laughs> The remake Evil Dead came out in 2013. I, um, yeah. no. I watched uh, Jackass last night. That came out in 2000. Oh, what? quality movies, <laughs> dude. to do with anything, like... Sorry, but no. But when you compare... When you compare a movie like Midsommar versus a movie like Evil Dead 2, Evil Dead 2 does have its defining moments, obviously... But Midsommar just does so much with the cinematography. I think back to my 
all-time favorite scene in Midsommar has to be right after the party when they come back to their apartment. I can talk about this scene for like literally hours. When they come back to their apartment and you see Christian in the chair and Danny is standing next to the door asking, you never told me about the party. You know, you know what scene I'm talking about? You guys know what scene I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah he's in the mirror. mirror on the, he's in, in the, the mirror. And, and yeah. that whole scene where she is obviously larger in frame. She has control of the conversation. She's the one asking questions until she slips up. He stands up. The camera turns. They're on equal playing field now. The conversation, mm -hmm. it's more of a back and forth until he reasserts himself. He starts making her apologize. She goes and sits down. He's the larger one in the scene. And I think if you can execute something like that, just a conversation just by the staging of a scene, like that's nuts. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. That's, that's absolutely cool. nuts. And just, um, just the dynamic yeah. movement and that it's all one take is something that, I mean, Evil Dead has its moments, like the whole stop motion, but... It's, it doesn't instill the same sense of, like, just dread of watching this deteriorating relationship that Midsommar does. See, that's where go I kind of got to disagree with you, though. Really? Go off. Let's, yeah. Let's go into, let's go into the uh, technical aspect of um, Evil Dead. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think Evil Dead has some of the best camera work in cinematic history. Really? From the perspective of the Deadites. Especially the the opening scene of well not opening scene because we discussed the first ten minutes maybe about oh is it twenty minutes in when Ash is being chased through the house and even through the walls by a deadite and the camera is perfect the entire time it just the amount of planning that had to go into that is incredible and there are behind the scenes of it there are documentaries on Evil Dead Two and even the first one and the third one and those are also great. Oh, um, the bicycle, right? Like they they just got him on the bike. Yeah, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's so much fun. Some of the shots in Evil Dead 2, I still can't even imagine how they did some of them. Like, even through can the documentary. Can you give an example? Like, like uh, I gotta think. Like, such a great impact. Oh, I got an example for you. Even if we talk about, they do this in the second one, but the the scene where it's most prominent is in the first one. You guys know when it opens up and it's on the, on the lake and then it goes all the way through the forest, all the way to the window to the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I still can't fathom how they... Like, I know it it has to be some kind of crane shot. Like, it starts over the water, right above it, then it goes over all these hills, around a whole bunch of trees, in the woods, and then all the way to the cabin. And, I mean, it's definitely a cut through the window. It's still just so impressive to me. I, and even in the, especially the second one, there's so many times where I just question how they did stuff, and I love like, it. I think it's like great. Like the mirror um, scene, for instance? Like, with the two ashes? Well, that, yeah. That's also really well done, but the, the documentary goes into that, how, like, the person in closest to the camera is not Ash, obviously, and then it's just yeah, Ash. Like oh, yeah, that I mean, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's kind of... Again, it's it's extremely well done. It never once takes you out of the, the scene at all. And if we go into practical and visual effects, obviously 1987 versus... 2019 are going to be completely different. I mean, they should they try to have a visual effect in Evil Dead 2 with the ghost of the the dad. What's what's his job? Whatever you know, like the archaeologist. Archaeologist kind of guy, yeah. And like you see him, and it's just that really flat image of like a spooky <laughs> yeah. looking boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I remember that. But I mean, yeah. what what else are you really going to do there? Yeah. Um, but the practical effects in Evil Dead 2, especially, are incredible. It had such a bigger budget than the first one. It had 3.5 million dollars was the budget for the second one. And thinking of Midsommar, which was a nine million dollar budget, and comparing it to Evil Dead 2, I think the bear being with its intestines being cut out in in Midsommar doesn't look very good. And there are many effects in Evil Dead 2 where I'm like. 
That is fantastic. Almost every effect. I can't think of one. And and the scene where Ash is in the cellar and Helena, the, the mom, comes mm -hmm. out and she transforms the thing. I think that's one of the most disturbing scenes in cinematic history. I think it's absolutely fantastically done. The practical effects are incredible. I can't think of anything that's wrong from a technical standpoint of Evil Dead 2. Minus continuity errors. I mean, there's plenty of them. But that kind of adds to the charm of the campiness of the movie. Like, one moment, Ash's hair will be in a different angle. It's fun, though. I like it. People in the background right. will be in completely different spots, but it's fun. Can but, like, I never, never mind. to the yeah. uh, technical for Evil Dead 2? Okay, the camera work, the shaky cameras and stuff, and how it chases after them, that honestly terrifies me. I think it's great. It's so good. It scares me. That's all I got. Uh, no, I, I mean, yeah, that definitely, the shaky camera, it fits the tone of the movie. But Midsommar is a slow, bo slow burn. Evil Dead 2 is just a bow, 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 bow. Yeah, we can all agree on that. But Midsommar just... I, I get what you're saying about the bear. I looked it up. Evil Dead 2 being 3.5 million. Adjusted for inflation, that's about 7.5 million. So 7.5 million and 9 million are about equal. I mean, there's a big discrepancy there. Like, you know, 2 million is kind of a lot of money. But, well, yeah, um, but then you also have to account for greater marketing in the modern day. I mean, marketing yeah, but, usually but, but, but also, the production budget. Isn't it? Wasn't that advanced, like, cinematography just wasn't that yeah like like imagine midsommar being made in 1987 it wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been able to create the environments that are in that movie in the background midsommar relies so much more on visuals than it does practicals and it's it's not bad at all most like, of it's invisible for me at least like if i like remember correctly from watching it like i didn't really notice much of the visual effects because i know most of it was like green screen replacements but like it was very well done and then and practical like, effects to me are scarier than visual effects because when i see a visual effect that's noticeably a visual effect it's going to stand out in my head but a practical effect always has that sense of realism to it like look at the first evil dead the pencil and the ankle scene is oh, incredible yeah. and it's super disturbing and the fact that it tops it by when she takes out the pencil the tip is broken off Mm -hmm. is disgusting well, well, and that would have we're not talking about the first one we're talking about well talking yeah about evil dead uh, i'm just trying to prove that the the practicals add to the horror of evil dead in in my opinion but like never mind the quality of the effects because they're made like 32 years apart so like, there's a big discrepancy there but like how the effects bolster the point that the film is going for i i mean it's it kind of comes back to the plot as well where evil dead 2 is it's a campy horror film where midsomar has a clear message it is making along with being this absolutely just bone chilling slow burn horror i i just there's just i feel like there's more substance to midsomar yeah but sometimes your film doesn't need to be anything more than it, it doesn't need to be but in the case of midsomar where it can near perfectly execute it 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 adds to it quite a bit well yeah no i'm not disagreeing with you there it's just there is no deeper meaning to evil dead 2 it's it's just evil dead 2 and i think it's perfect for what it is all right all right so we're slowly going into our custom category so obviously we can't go without talking about the horror aspect of both um whoever wants to start first i don't have any specific question because you know horror so go what do you predict that it'll do for i the yeah. i mean i would hope in specific about horror in specific about horror um personally when i saw it, it was really really different and i think what 
in comparison to watching Evil Dead 2 in Midsommar, I personally related so much to... Again, like, because Andres and PJ warned me not to watch it because it's so much... Multiple times. We did, yeah. Multiple yeah. times. Mostly because of what the entire plot entails. It's just something it's, that I... It's relatable you can relate to it yeah it it, it's bone chilling because of how much i have been in danny's exact position yeah Um, in that in that aspect in that at that point explain the significance of this different sense of horror it's it's i it's what i've been mentioning this the idea of the slow burn in this modern day kind of like if evil dead 2 set the idea for horror movies today then we need a midsomar to change that because horror movies today are just not good you look at like fantasy island uh truth or dare yeah yeah anything produced by blumhouse exclusively is it's all just like jump scare cash grabs which somehow like the lineage could be traced back to evil dead 2 i guess but i just Midsommar I mean, is just... It goes farther back than that. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it definitely would, but well, Evil Dead 2 definitely helped contribute to the Ah, oh, scary! Ah! Whereas Midsommar, and by, to the same, same extent, like Hereditary and uh, I'd even say The Witch somewhat, they all are slow burns leading up to one major just kind of What is happening? Yeah, and for Evil Dead, there weren't many jump scares in the Evil Dead movies. I, I mean, not really um, the, jump scares, but more of like, where I, they smash the heads. Yeah, that's, oh, oh my god. Wait, which, wait, which one? Which scene? In Midsommar, when the old people yeah, jump when off. they finally reach. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he, the, the man, he doesn't make it. He's still the alive. The big boy mallet, mallet coming out. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting them to show it. Like, that's like. That's a very good practical effect. Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to mention that's, that. That's but true. the idea of having more slow burn plot-driven horror movies is what we yeah. need right now. It's refreshing. I like you got to think of the audience, PJ, though. Like, I know I, you got to think of the you for that. You got to think of the but, audience, obviously. Like it's not yes, going to it's but, not going to happen. The reason the reason Jason Blum is such a successful businessman is because he makes dumb Blumhouse movies that he could care less about for a super small budget that he'll make back opening weekend because he targets them specifically for teens and preteens that want to go see a stupid horror movie with their friends late at night. Yeah. That's there, true. there is no artistic craft there. Absolutely. And, and most people, they're not going to want to sit through the lighthouse and think about it. And What does this mean? What does that mean? Oh, gosh, I am very confused. This is super ambiguous. They're going <laughs> to want immediate satisfaction. Yeah, exactly. And even if that comes in the form of a dumb jump scare, that'll make you laugh with your friends for five seconds. But, I mean, I've been able to enjoy watching, like, Hereditary with groups just the same as I've been able to enjoy watching Saw. But even more than Saw. The Saw mo- Oh, my God. I cannot watch a single... But there's still a little... There's... There's still a level of care in Saw, especially the first one. Uh, no, the first two. The first two are amazing right. movies. I'd argue that the second movie is a, actually a genuinely like good film. But yeah. as you get on, John, it's just like, like John, I can't. I'm I'm gonna go over to you for a quick second. Um, obviously, Evil Dead Two has such an impact in the horror industry. Do you think that it's going to always live up to its reputation and just always be that? one film that has that had its impact yeah evil dead one 
created the created most of the horror cliches you see nowadays that everybody complains about. It created the Cabin in the Woods cliche. It created the Book of the Dead cliche. All of that stuff originates from the first Evil Dead, and Evil Dead Two just solidifies it as a now horror cliche. I think I think it's great. I don't know. It's just it's the best. I've seen Evil Dead Two especially so many times, and it does not disappoint once. I, I like it. I like it the same um, as I liked it the first time I saw it every time. Okay, so what about a what if scenario? What if Evil Dead Two were to come out today? How do you think audiences would react to it? Do you think it would actually make money? Um, that's that's a good question. I think if uh, I th- I would think from I mean from my perspective at least if Evil Dead Two like would you would you mean the whole series? No, because... like like say like yeah okay say Evil Dead came out last year and then Evil Dead Two comes out like you know today. And nothing, nothing changed. Like no switch to visual effects over no, or anything. It's no, just like, the same just movie. A, yeah, let's just say that. Um, I think it would be not super appreciated by audiences, but by critics, one hundred percent. Especially with this reliance. If it was new, it'd be like, oh, reliance on practical effects. That's a check. And the, oh, it's a can't be can't be horror movie. That's a throwback to the eighties and the the nineties. Blah, blah blah. That's a check. But like, I don't know. I don't feel like people would really appreciate it for what it is nowadays because i i think part of the appreciation for evil dead 2 is because of what it created for the genre but it's also just a solid movie all right um any any closing statements for midsummer moderators you get we can obviously comment but i'm gonna stay pretty far away from it because you know i've been asking questions and stuff so i'm gonna let anderson cam you guys can also put your input um i have no questions but i think both made very compelling arguments and took a good stand on their movies i mm. talked too much despite my own personal biases because i do think one film is better than the other one i do think that if I had never seen these films and you two were both recommending them to me, I think, you know, I would watch both of them because yeah, you I'd both be made very good points about it. So, moderators, who wins this debate? And Let's just go like section by section, okay? So, plot okay, so and characters. characters. Cam, do you want to go first? No. <laughs> I definitely think in that aspect, I would definitely give it to John just because the way he was able to really go off on the dynamic of the characters and the way that they are to the plot, I think that was really, really, like, magnificent, so. Yeah, for plot and characters, I definitely gotta go with John as well, because I just think he gave a lot of insight, especially with um, the backgrounds around the movie, with, you know, the rights issues and the studio interference, and how that kind of went against the film, but, like, the film rose up against those obstacles and became, you know, this really amazing, campy film that we all know and love today. All right. PJ, I'm sorry, but I also please sweep me. I'm sorry because the way that he <laughs> he explained the stereotypes too, and he really he's he did state several times that it was like just character driven, and both films are. But he, the way that he explained it, he really got me. So. <laughs> so the okay. first round goes to John. So we're going to go into acting. Um, I want to say with that, I definitely think PJ won that one because the way he was able to show the relationship between everyone and even include the entire cult and the impact that they have with everyone in the movie and individual characters, I think that that was really great. Like, you really did well. But John, you did great as well. Don't feel discouraged. 
No, that's why I think PJ won that one anyway. So keep going. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because PJ, I think you won that one too. Cause I like how you included how the whole village itself is a character. That was really interesting. Would it help you if I said the cabin's also a character? But no, also I agree that everyone had great chemistry acting, even though it was such a dark film that everyone fed well off of each other acting wise so that one goes to pj um i also agree with both cam and Rayma when it comes to how pj explained the acting most importantly for me was how he explained how the actors portrayed that sense of grief which runs through the whole film so i think the way he explained how the film just wouldn't work without these actors on their a game was very very good but also john you did great yeah uh, john, Chris campbell great. will always have a special place in all of our hearts yes daddy campbell Amen. Amen. Florence, you had to just edge this one out. Yeah, sorry, John. <laughs> you, you can you can That's respect fine. Florence. Uh, okay, so the whammy. Technical. I'm gonna give it to PJ on this one. Ooh. Ooh, a hot take. I know that's a hot take. I think, um, I think when he really defended just the fact that it was you know different type of horror than the whole, he really brought in highlighted what the shrooms whole <laughs> yeah legally yeah, speaking legally, legally speaking legally i have not done it but i know that that is very true from friends documentaries that you've seen right from documentary the, the new netflix documentary yeah oh have a groovy like, trip you did really 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 great job with the technical stuff like you really went off on pj like you really did not hesitate <laughs> so you guys yeah um i'm gonna have to go with john because the more the more practical effects those always really do it for me but the fact that pj brought up how the hallucination scenes are so real it was great how that was done but i always have to go with the practical effects and i thought john argued that really well Man, y'all are really making me a uh, tiebreaker here. <laughs> I, I heard I heard you sigh. When... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't like being in this position, but I really got to go with John here. Uh, for every, based pretty much every reason that Cam said, where practical effects just do it for me, and the way John explained how in, how integral they are to the film experience of watching Evil Dead 2 and how much it benefits from having those practical effects just really sold it for me. PJ, you know, I, shrooms are great uh, in films. Like, I said more than films. just shrooms. Yeah. There was more to my argument than the shrooms. And but and I gotta give it to the dead uh, old lady in the, the oh, shack. Yeah. Alright, so for the horror aspect part of it, I definitely think PJ, um, because, I mean, Evil Dead has, obviously it's just such a well-known movie and has such an impact, but I think seeing things like Ari Aster's horror I feel like it's going to have a really big impact on the horror like industry itself because it's so unique and it's just so different. Like I really I really agree with PJ on that, so I have to give it to him. Um I'm also going to have to go with PJ because Evil Dead 2, it has shaped horror in many ways, but I think that Midsummer is going to create more like daytime horror films, the slow burn that PJ kept quoting. You know, A24 films, those are all, Woo! a lot of them are slow burn, and they are, become, yeah, they are becoming more prominent, so I definitely think stuff like Midsummer is going to take over the horror industry. So well, Midsummer does... Yeah. 
in in the director's cut, it has a nighttime scene. I don't know if any of you saw. It does. I've seen the scene. Wait. Okay, so very quickly, um, I think that John made a really good point by saying how Evil Dead Two kind of made these cliches and how it kind of impacted horror yeah, films for you know too. many years to come. But also, I think yeah. that the films that were releasing at the time in the late 70s, early 80s, even up down to the mid 80s, the horror films coming out were actually really good. Like, they were getting awards yeah. recognition. It was peak horror 80s, yeah. 100%. But, like, True. when you look at it now in 2020 or in 2019 when Midsummer came out, horror films were pretty bad. Like, you got films like, like mm-hmm. Fantasy Island coming out, like PJ said, these Blumhouse movies, which are just not good. I think Midsummer has the greatest effect because it just... It's a diamond in the rough, really, when it comes to the impact that these horror films are having on the industry as a whole. Okay, so finally, impact. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna have to give it to John. He really went all out with talking about how much of an impact it already has been. And when he continued talking about how it's always going to have that impact with horror movies. Because, like, obviously, the hot take, I don't know, mids, like Midsommar, like, there has to be aspects that obviously like all horror movies obviously have aspects that relate to each other yeah they all feed off of each other somehow yeah, yeah like like the wicker man is a perfect example I feel like john really won that case because you know it's always going it's like the start it's the peak of it so it really is what you can only go greater with evil dead and all the movies that come after it yeah i also have to go with john because it really did start everything off but who knows maybe in the future midsummer will start something totally new also but john was very passionate about it and he got me in yeah it's just evil dead so okay so for impact i said this before i'm just gonna reiterate i have to go with pg on this one it's because as i said before with horror films being really bad nowadays just seeing a film like midsummer come out which is not only a really good horror film but a really good character film it's very refreshing and i love evil dead too i think it's a superior film personally but just when you compare it to the other films coming out at the time it was just like top tier amongst the top tier so that's why i think the impact for midsummer was more because yeah. it's out of the blue. All right, yeah. Yeah. That, means, that means John won. That means Evil first... Dead 2 was the winner of the first yeah, episode yeah. of Ticket Snubs. All right, now shake hands. Say good game. So I just want to say I am. I didn't really like Mitz. Uh, no, whoa, whoa, whoa! I love. <laughs> no, I Midsummer would. Was literally my favorite one. Um, Evil Dead Two have a lot of respect for it. Just wasn't a movie for me. Have a lot of respect for it. Just wasn't for me. And... I would only watch Evil Dead Two again if there was a gun to my head. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. I would never oh, willingly that watch bad? that movie again. That bad? It wasn't that I bad. Loved... I was just like, yeah, it was just on. Un... I kind of just didn't find any like, Im- like it just didn't impact me. Like I wasn't afraid. Yeah. I didn't laugh. Like it just, I just kind of. Oh, I love it. Movie. That's exactly and, how I felt, Raymond. Right yeah. Like, I watched the first movie. Like the, the first movie literally made me pee pee my pants. But like. Oh. Just... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. I love Evil Dead too, and it is my most favorite out of the two but midsummer's great um i found it to be relatable in way too many possible ways it made me kind of contemplate things but i thought it was beautiful midsummer but evil dead is just it holds a very special place in my heart midsummer just really messed me up in the head yeah me too PJ and I just kept saying not to watch it because it's going to remind me of too much from the past, but... Yeah. <laughs> you put someone in a bear costume much. and birth them? Exactly. How did you know? Yeah, Jeez. That's a little too Story much. of my life. Um, you know, 
I mean, I said this before, yeah, I do prefer Evil Dead 2 out of, if I had to compare it to Midsummer, but they're both very different films. I think it's just yeah. part of the fun of, of, like, you know, comparing them like this. You know, it's just two very different films. I really, yeah. I guess I if, did not know who if any I had of you to. were. Yeah, Evil okay. Dead 2. Okay, so I guess that's the fir- the end of the first that's the end. Wait, of- I have a question, though. Are we going to do a movie recommendation for us to watch and discuss? Okay. Wait, let me let me just start off with the fact that um, the next debate is going to be between Camry and I. Oh, um, shoot. What is it? Lady Bird versus mid-90s. Oh, and- that is that's an interesting one. one. I am excited for that. That's a good one. I know. I know. I, my mind works in ways. Um, obviously going to be highlighting the fact of coming of age and the yeah. impact mm-hmm. of your environment on the way that you develop as a, in, through your adolescence. So, yeah. yeah. Um, John, I've... come on, give us that movie recommendation. Yeah. First one we're going to start off with, um, and if you guys have already seen it, just, just rewatch it, just so you get it in your head, and then we can talk about it. Um, I'm going to recommend a ghost story. As my oh! Ghost story. All right, I've been so wanting an excuse to watch it. we can talk about that. a ghost story okay. next week. Um, I did just rewatch it yesterday, um, so I am fresh in my opinion, and I will gladly rewatch it again for next week's discussion. So, oh, yeah, I know that movie, but I have not seen it. Neither have it's I. Fantastic. I have not. I am very Sorry excited to, to watch it. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, check it out. At the end of episode one. All right. Yep. That's. I believe so. That's me. Right. That was fun. And um, to quote that's Abraham like... Lincoln. Oh my god. At the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. We'll see you next time on Ticket Stubs. And slavery is bad. Goodbye. And slavery is bad. <laughs>